0: All right. Wow. Thank you for that. You don't even know what I'm preaching on yet. I don't know why you're clapping. My goodness. No, it's so good to be here with you guys. My name is Jamie, like Pastor Wes said. I got to thank him and, and Jen for allowing us to be here, to trust us with the opportunity to share God's word. Uh, you know, can I say this for a second? You know, ministry's hard, it, it's challenging. And uh, you pour yourself out and sometimes it's a thankless job. So if you love your pastors, would you do me a favor and would you love on them? And maybe the love on them is write them a special note, uh, take them to dinner, uh, get the, help them get their nails done, right? Would that, would, that wouldn't be a bad thing, right? Amen. So just love. I mean, ministry's tough. And so I just want to encourage you to love on your pastors. I'm grateful for them and allowing us to come and share, uh, this morning. I'm, I'm going to talk, uh, for a few minutes, uh, only like three hours. Are you okay with that? I hope you didn't have lunch plans. Go ahead and cancel now. <laughs> uh, I want to talk on a subject uh, obedience. Yeah, this is, this is exciting. I could tell you were really excited when I said it. Obedience, the power of obedience. And I, you know, when, when the Lord deposited this word in my heart to share, when I thought about, you know, as Pastor Wes, I've been able to watch him online and share about bringing heaven to earth. And, you know, we've we've accepted, and even Pastor West said in this first week, we've kind of accepted this gospel. It's all about comfort. And obedience is not very comfortable. <laughs> and so I want to talk about how we can bring heaven to earth, and it starts with obedience. And so when I had this conversation with God, here I was. I was like, God, I, I, obedience, okay, that's that's cool, but what about like the power of your testimony, or the power of the warrior spirit. Then I was like, yeah, I could do that, Lord. And then I'm going, wait a minute. I'm having this thought. I'm like, okay, I'm arguing with God about talking about obedience. So I'm being disobedient. I- I'm going, okay, this is not going so well. And everybody is in a different place, right? We're all in a different place in our journey and our walk with the Lord. And I'll say this, obedience for those of us who are parents we get the idea of teaching obedience. And those of us who were not parents and who maybe are students still, we get the idea of obedience from a whole different level. But when my kids, and we have three uh, three boys, my wife and I, Tammy, she's here with me this morning, we are celebrating 25 years of marriage this year, folks. I'm pretty excited about that. We have three incredible boys. We've been foster parents along the journey, uh, but three biological children and, uh, they're a little bit older. I got a 22 year old, a 20 year old, and a 16 year old. So we are almost there. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, sorry. I was having a moment. Uh, so we, you know, we, we get to, um, the child rearing years and, this is the, when you really begin to understand the whole idea of teaching obedience or the idea of a student from a student level of having to be obedient. And here I was, you know, we were at a church at church and one Sunday morning, my middle son, Caleb, is three years old. And Caleb didn't have a whole lot of like vocabulary. He didn't talk much. He grunted a lot. He just that's that was his. He would point and grunt. We kind of learned his different styles of grunting. Some were longer, shorter, depending on what he wanted. And and he would he we would be at church on Sunday. And the cool thing about church was we had these stairs. Not really cool, but the fact that all the little children would kind of there's like the mecca. They would all kind of congregate those stairs. And I, my three-year-old son was no exception. He would find his way over the stairs, and I'd pull him back. And one Sunday morning, he finds his way over the stairs, and he starts climbing the stairs. Now, if you're a parent, you get it, what I'm about to say. This is that moment, that defining moment, right? Where it's like, mano imano, mano, you're going to listen. And I'm like, Caleb, get down. And he looks down at the bottom of the stairs, looks up at me, and he just holds out his arms. He goes, uh, <laughs> grunt. And I'm like, I knew what he wanted. He wanted me to carry him down. And I'm like, no, you climbed up the stairs. You can climb back down the stairs. And so he looks down at the bottom of the stairs, looks up at me. Ugh. I'm like, this has not happened. This was like the defining moment where I was like, I'm going to put my foot down. You're going to be obedient. You're going to listen. You're going to learn what it means to listen and be obedient. So I'll come back to that story in a minute. I love cliffhangers, don't you? They're awesome. Here's the deal every moment of obedience starts with one simple word yes. We're all in a different place doesn't matter what stage and phase of life you're in. Every moment of obedience, every holy moment, every regular moment starts with just one word. Yes. and, And that yes kind of launches into certain things. It helps us to, to, uh, to grow into areas where we never thought possible. And I I love when I get to travel and speak and share with people because one of the common things I hear is I want to do something for the Lord. I just don't know what. Here's the beautiful thing about the what. It's all right here. God has already defined what he wants us to do. The the opportunity for us to be obedient is all right here. But see, we get it confused. We don't know the how. See, the how doesn't always play out for us, and we wait for the how, and we try to figure out the how before we say yes. We're like, well, before I say yes to God and what he wants me to do, um, I need to know the logistics. I need to know what I'm getting into. You know, it's like a job. You know, you don't want to say yes to a job. Somebody come up to you and say, I've got a job for you. Okay, yes. No, you don't do that. You go, well, well tell me a little bit about this job. Does it fit my skill sets? Does it, is it what, you know, I would be good at? Would we be a good team working together? But see, in this case, God is asking something of us. He's asking us to do something. He's already provided the what. And sometimes we get caught up in the how. And and that actually sometimes keeps us from doing the what. what. Let's talk about that for a second. Here's something that Jesus said in the what. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as your what? Yourself. Go and make disciples. Pure and faultless religion is this, to care for the widow and the orphan in their distress. The what is being defined for us, folks. God has already defined the what. And he's asking us to just say yes. And when we say yes, God does some amazing things. Just some simply amazing things. And your yes, let me say this, your yes will look different from my yes. That's the beauty of of the tapestry of how God works. Your yes is different than mine. And every yes leads to the next opportunity of God doing something pretty incredible. Because here's the deal. Your yes makes room for God's best. Your yes makes room for God's best. Obedience is the precursor to blessing. Now let me say it like this. This is kind of a, a hairy subject when it comes to blessing. A lot of times we attribute blessing to the things that we have. We have a nice car or a nice house. I'm blessed. When we do that, we relegate God to a give and take relationship. We, we say, God, the only way blessing can come is when you give me something that's physical The biblical definition of blessing is invoking God's favor on another person. Have you ever read any stories in the Bible of God invoking his favor on seemingly normal, everyday people? God does bring things into our lives. He wants to give us good things. But I know people that are pouring their lives out. I got friends that that are, are, are in Haiti, Haitians who are pouring their lives out for the gospel, and they don't have a home, they don't have a car, but they're blessed. The favor of God is on their lives. I see it every day. I see it in how they, they share the good news with people and how they're telling us about the work that they're doing, and, and you see it over and over and over again. Your yes makes room for God's very best in your life, and, your, and God's best is not about the things that you have. God's best is about the relationship that he has with you. He removes all the components. He gives you the very best life by saying, you say yes, I come close. The Bible says, you draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. I, there's a story in the Bible that starts out with Jesus talking to a crowd on, a, on the side of a, a, a lake, river, sea, if you, however you want to look at it, and uh, And he's talking, the the crowd begins to get bigger and bigger, and he's realizing he can't really reach all those people. So he looks over to the right, and he sees a young man named Simon, who's just cleaning his nets from a long night of doing some fishing. Simon, take me off the shoreline so that I can finish speaking to the crowd. And he takes him off the shoreline, and he talks to the crowd about the kingdom of God coming close Bringing heaven to earth starts with obedience. Here's Simon. He's finished his night. Jesus finishes talking. And he says, hey, Simon, cast your nets into the deep. I love what Simon says. He says, master, in verse five, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. And by the way, I'm the fisherman here. All right, last time I checked, you just did some woodworking. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, that's not what it says. Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. I'm really tired. Can we do this tomorrow? No. He says, but because you say so, I will let down my nets." Just a simple yes. Because you say so, Lord, I will let down my nets. I don't know what's to come. I don't know. You just told me to do it. God gives us a roadmap for life and tells us how to live our lives, or the what in living our lives, not always necessarily the how. Now, let me say this. I'm not suggesting that your yes is it you go and sell everything you have and go live in Haiti or you know in a in a in a, a hut somewhere with wood floors or dirt floors? But maybe it is. Maybe that is your yes. Because Jesus looked at a rich young ruler and says, Go sell everything you have and come follow me. Each person, your yes, is gonna look different than mine, right? But it should cost you something. It should require some act of obedience. It should require some uncomfortable moments Simon just finished cleaning his nets do you know how long it takes to clean a net if you're a fisherman it takes a while it just cleaned them but look what happens when he does that when he's obedient, when he says yes when they had done so they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break so they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink I believe this is not, I don't want to suggest that blessing has a physical component, however it does, because we just learned that in the scripture and I just suggested that blessing is about favor from God. See, Simon, that was the beginning of his yes. His yes would lead to further and further things where his name would actually be changed to Peter. Peter was the one Jesus said, on you I'll build my rock. But he's also the one that said, get behind me, Satan. He's also the one that says, I don't know him. Listen, we all make mistakes. We all struggle through life. Peter, Simon did too. He wasn't perfect and none of us are. He's a good example of how we might stumble along through life. But if you just continue to say yes along the way, what God will do is absolutely unbelievable when I was a kid, uh, my parents divorced when I was a year old so and here 's the crazy thing i didn't really, i wasn 't really raised in church I was one of those you know go to go to church on holidays and and that 's what we did sometimes not all the time actually we were, we were part of the Catholic church I remember uh I actually got my parents kicked, or my mom and my stepdad kicked out of the Catholic church uh, because the priest had said that Jesus, he was talking about the sacraments and the elements. There was this little cupboard on the wall, you can imagine right there. And he said, the elements, the, the body of Christ, is that's that's a, uh, exemplifies, he was talking about the elements and literally the crackers and the wine were stored in that closet. I thought he meant that was the actual body of Jesus. So after service one day, I decided that I wanted to see this thing. So I climbed the wall That priest grabbed me from the back of my pants so fast. Now there's this one time he actually, he, you know, he was talking about, you know, in, in a Catholic, in Catholicism, they have, a, a little, um, um, little, uh, I don't know what you call them, just little wells of water where you dip your fingers in them, you do the crucifix you know, as a, a sign of holiness. And and uh, he was talking about how that indwelled the Holy Spirit and that we wanted to get that inside of you. And, and here, I, I was still inquisitive. I wasn't growing up in church, yet something inside of me wanted to know this thing called Jesus and called God. And so when he kept talking about the water and getting inside of you, I'm like, well, why did we do that then? Why not just literally drink it? So I brought a straw the next week to church. That was literally the last straw. The, hence beginning our journey in, in uh, the Protestant movement. I, I, I don't even know why I shared all that. It's not even a part of my notes. Uh, but my journey... Of obedience didn't start so well. Simon had some bumps along the way. Peter had some bumps. We all have some. And here's the deal. My next point is you don't have to be great to be obedient. Isn't that a great thing? I'm not that great. I make some mistakes along the way. Peter wasn't that great. We don't have to be great. Your pastor is a wonderful man. We've, we've, we've started a friendship, and he's just an incredible guy, a very genuine, down-to-earth a guy who loves this community like I'd, I've never seen. But he's just a guy. He's not, he makes mistakes like the rest of us. I make mistakes. You don't have to be great. But here's the deal. When you're obedient, God makes you great. When you are obedient... God makes you great. One of my favorite, uh, I would say it's like a a life story. I I, I so connect with this story, not for the reasons that you might think, because the way I'll set it up is a little different, but it's found in 1 Samuel chapter 14. We'll read it in a second. But let me just tell you this. It's about the Israelites. And this time there's a king, his name is King Saul, and he has a son named Jonathan. The army had been decimated. Their arsenal had been taken and stolen by the Philistines. Through a different series of events, they were smarter than the Israelites. They had really uh, grabbed a hold of all of their, uh, their, their arsenal. So literally, there was only two swords in the whole army. Uh, king Saul had a sword, and Jonathan had a sword. So I guess it's good to be the son of a king. Hey, your son, daughter, a king. Come on. Oh, never mind. All right. Anyways, so there's only two swords in all the army. King Saul is trying to contemplate what he's going to do because they are at war with the Philistines. God has called them to advance and take the land. You're being called to bring heaven to earth, and you're in the same situation. Circumstances are surrounding you. It doesn't look good. What do you do? Well, it starts with saying yes and realizing that there's nothing special about you, but there is something special about the God that you serve. So here's Jonathan. He wakes up his armor bearer, and he says, hey, let's go pick a fight. It's, I, you can read the whole chapter. whole chapter 14 is so good. But his armor bearer says this. I love these, this line. He says, do all that you have in mind. I'm with you, heart and soul. I'm with you, heart and soul. Do you have anybody that you can say that to? Do you have anyone in your life that you can Arm in arm, take the mountain together. See, Jonathan, he was a warrior. He was trained in the art of fighting in a battle. The armor bearer? Not so much. He was a kid. No offense. But kids know their place. I mean, they're, they're okay. They can, they can carry the weapons, but they can't wield The weapon. They're not a master of swinging that sword. All they're really good for is carrying some water and some shield and a sword. That's it. But on that day, Jonathan woke up his armor bearer. Let's go. I just... I just get so excited about that idea because I think about the armor bearer and what must have been going through his mind. Thoughts of, man, I don't know that I can do this, but hey, this is my moment. Maybe this is my moment. You're gonna have moments in life where you just know that you know that God is tapping you on the shoulder and saying, Let's go pick a fight. It's your opportunity to say yes. And this morning it could be one of those moments. It could be one of those moments. So here's Jonathan, the armor bearer, going to pick a fight with a bunch of Philistines, a whole army, by the way. And it says this, Jonathan, let me, let me back up. They're actually in a valley and the Philistines are on a mountain. They're on the mountain. So if you know anything about, if there's any military folks here, you understand the the people that have the high ground win the battle. They're in the valley and they actually call out to the Philistines. Jonathan says earlier in this chapter, he says, hey, we will know if the Lord has given them into our hands if they tell us to come up to them. I'm like, what kind of military school did you go to, dude? really? So he says, Jonathan climbed up using his hands and his feet with his armor bare. Do you you read the scripture like I do? Like, I read it and I go, okay, Captain Obvious, he climbed up using his hands and his feet. What else would he use? I mean, his lips and his teeth? I mean, come on. It's like, and then I go, God, why did you put that in there? Because everything that's in the Bible is there for a reason. Why would you put that in there? Why did you tell me he used his hands and his feet? Because here's what I know. God wants you and I to know that everything Jonathan was, all of his military background, his training had to be laid out so that only God could get the victory. Everything that you are, everything that you think you are or think you're not, should be laid out so you know that only God gets the victory. We're not great, but he is. And when we say yes, we make room for God to do the impossible. It's not about your ability. It's about your availability. Amen. We don't recognize something special about ourselves. It's about who God is. And when we recognize that God is something extraordinary, He can do impossible things, impossible things in and through us. Let me slow down, I'm going a little fast. The Philistines fell before Jonathan, and his armor bearer followed and killed behind him. Wow. In that first attack, Jonathan and his armor bearer killed some 20 men in an area of about a half an acre. How crazy is that? To go from being a, a nobody to a somebody because you just said yes. Folks, you have the opportunity to say yes every single day. And I hope you'll take advantage of it. I pray that you take advantage of it. Because we live in a world where Christianity is just becoming another option. It's the only option, folks. The Bible makes it very clear there's one Way to the father through Christ. You know, my yes didn't start like I gave my life to Jesus. And then the next day I started a nonprofit. Uh, it, it had some bumps along the way. But every yes leads to another opportunity to say yes. See, here's the beauty about obedience There's a starting line, but the finish line, well, that's another story. There's opportunities for you to continue to say yes. And as you say yes, there's favor that gets attached to that yes. There's blessing that gets attached to that yes. I said yes to God when I was 17, almost 18 years old. There's one thing that I asked God. God. See, I told you my parents, they divorced when I was a year old. Before I had turned 18, between my father and my mother, they, I had experienced seven different families. I didn't know what family was. had no idea, but I knew I wanted one. And I knew I didn't want my family to experience that. Yes, God. Now, we've had some things happen in our lives. We're not perfect. I want to tell you that when you say yes to God, it doesn't mean sunshine and roses and rainbows and all these good things. But it does mean God's favor. There is blessing that's attached to it. And I don't know what your blessing will be when your yes comes, because everybody's yes looks different and everybody's blessing looks different. But I can tell you that some of my blessing in my favor, 25 years of marriage, it's the best thing in the world. I love my wife. And somehow she still loves me. I don't know how, but I have three kids that love God. And, you know, people are like, how do you do it? And they're like, hey, can you come and and talk about how... I'm like, psh, we're a mess. I have no idea what you're talking about. (laughs) I mean, it's just, God just did this thing. You know, it's amazing how obedience, the power of obedience, of bringing heaven to earth when you say yes, and how it moves people and moves mountains. See... True obedience always benefits others. That's the last point. True obedience always benefits others. Yes, there is a blessing that you receive when you are obedient. But the work of your yes is played out in the lives of others. I love what Jesus said. It's kind of the core scripture of our work here at No More In Matthew 25, and I I could probably quote it, but I'll read it. Because Jesus is talking to his disciples, telling a story how they separate the righteous from the unrighteous. And he begins to speak to the righteous. And he says this, for I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. Truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Obedience always benefits others. And here's what I love about that and the way God kind of speaks to me sometimes that I'll share with you. This is just a personal enlightenment that God shared. This has to be be personal, folks. If we're going to advance the kingdom or bring heaven to earth, it has to be personal. It must be personal. You cannot advance the kingdom unless you own it. You can't make a difference. You can't do anything unless you own something. If it belongs to somebody else, it's their issue. It's their problem. Now, here's the thing. Jesus understood this. He said, whatever you did to the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did to me. Here's the power of that statement. He didn't say those people over there. Whatever he did to the least of those people. He said these. He personalized it. He said mine. There are people that are hurting in our world that need what you have. You see, you're a unique, unrepeatable miracle of God. And what you bring to the table is what only you can do. There is no one else like you on the planet. And God has something uniquely for each one of us to do. And your yes begins that journey. Let's reframe this a little bit. Next weekend, you have the opportunity to go and serve your community. What if you come here on Saturday? What if you throw aside your your plans? I know we all have plans and busy lives. But what if you just take a moment to say, yes, I'm going to step out. I'm going to do something. Bay Chapel does a great job of providing you opportunities to say yes. And that's how it started for me. At first, I just said, yes, I'll go to church. And then I said, yes, I'll, 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 I'll serve in, in whatever area. Or then I said, yes, I'll become a small group leader. I'll become a youth leader. I'll become a youth pastor one step after another, after another, after another. And then you see, you step back and you go, whoa. No more is a battle cry for the church. For you to to own it personally, and you say, it's not those people over there. It's my brother. It's my sister. It's my child. When you begin to personalize it, it changes everything. So the idea of you beginning to step into a whole new level of saying yes, could change the world. I never thought that the work that we would do would have the impact that it has. The work of no more this last year, we actually were able to serve and had the opportunity to give life to over 10,000 people through our work. Just last year. God gets the glory. It's because of God. Yeah, I said yes. But what's your yes? So, standing at the bottom of the stairs. If you know anything about my kids, they're all uniquely different. Caleb was like He was just is a train wreck. I mean, before, I mean, he's three years old and he'd already had 36 stitches in his face. The kid didn't know how to fall and put his hands in front of him. He just let his face catch him. So I'm like, oh, jeez. He looks down. I said, you get down. He looks up at me and he puts out his arms and grunts again. I said, nope, you got yourself up. You can climb back down. So he looks down again, looks back up at me and looks down and then he just does this thing that I had no idea. He just jumped. So I got out of the way and I let him hit. The- no. I did not do that. What did I do? I catch my kid. Some of you this morning, it is time for you to jump. Today needs to be your yes. Maybe God has been speaking something to you for a long time. It is time for you to jump. It is time for you to say yes. You don't need to know the how. How? You already have the what. We know our mantle. We know our call is to care for those who are hurting. We know we're called to love God with everything we have and love others. Let's jump. Bay Chapel. How awesome would it be if this was the church that jumped all in, went all in? and said, we're going to not let our community stay the same way. We're going to do anything and everything we can so they can know the love of God like I know the love of God. Sorry I'm so monotone. But I'm passionate about this. I know that if I could do something And I'm just nobody great, but he's incredible. I know you can do something. I don't know what that is, but I want to invite you to say yes. I want to invite you to bring heaven to earth by being obedient and starting with that yes. Make your life count. Can I pray with you this morning? Will you bow your head and close your eyes? If you're in this room and you've never said yes to Jesus, this is your opportunity to say yes. This is your moment. This is your moment, like Caleb, to jump because God will catch you. Life won't be perfect, I, I can tell you that. But it will be better. If you need Jesus this morning, if you're saying, hey, it's I recognize that I need to make that decision, would you raise your hand? If there's anyone in the room that needs to say, I've got to make that decision now. Raise your hand. Amen. Amen. I'm going to lead you in a prayer, and then I want to pray for some of us that need to do something, take the next step, because we've already said yes to Jesus, because a lot of you didn't raise your hands, but there is something you can do. So let's pray just for a minute, and then I'm going to invite you into one more step. For those that, have, that are saying yes to Jesus today, this is a big deal. I know it's a big deal because it was a big deal for me when I did it. It was about letting go of my life. It was a defining moment for me and it's a defining moment for you. So it's real simple. Just say yes, Jesus. I surrender. It's not my life, it's yours. Forgive me, God, for choosing to live it my way. But now I make the decision to live it your way, to be obedient to what you've called. I surrender. I make you Lord of my life. And for those of you that are in the room that have already made that decision, I want to invite you to the next step. You need, may not know how you're going to get there, but we know the what. There are people that need Jesus. Next weekend, you have the opportunity to be Jesus with skin on. I want to invite you into that. And in four weeks from now, it's the best time to invite someone to church. So there, there should be someone on your mind and in your heart right now that you're thinking about that you can get to this church so that they have the opportunity to say yes to. Because it's not that person over there. It's my brother. It's my sister. It's my kid. So Father, for the people in the room, I pray that you would, you would invite them into saying yes for the next right step. I don't know what that is, God. God. But give people in this room the opportunity to jump, to live their life in such a way that people go, how in the world did that happen? Like the armor bearer. Just a young guy. But nothing is impossible with you. So may you give them power. Deutimus power. To impact and change the lives of this community Forever. Help us to be obedient, Father, because we need you even to do that. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Thanks, Bay Chapel. Really appreciate your time. Let's put our hands together and celebrate Changed Lives this morning.